Part One of Two American Slavery Documents. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Wales. Two American Slavery Documents by Various. Part One Life of James Mars, a slave born and sold in Connecticut by James Mars. To whom it may concern these will certify that the bearer deacon james mars has been known to me and to the citizens of this town for a long period of years as an honest upright truthful man a good citizen an officer in his church and a man whose life and character have gained the approbation the esteem and the good wishes of all who know him born a slave the good providence of god has long since made him free and i trust also taught him that where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty jonathan todd pittsfield massachusetts june twenty three eighteen sixty eight introduction when i made up my mind to write this story it was not to publish it but it was at the request of my sister that lived in africa and has lived there more than thirty years she had heard our parents tell about our being slaves but she was not born until a number of years after they were free when the war in which we have been engaged began the thought came to her mind that her parents and brothers and sisters were once slaves and she wrote to me from africa for the story i came to norfolk on a visit at the time the war broke out and some in norfolk remember that i was once a slave they asked me about it i told them something about it they seemed to take an interest in it and as i was in norfolk now and having an opportunity to write it i thought i would write it all through in telling it to those there were a great many things that i did not mention that i have written after i had written it out i saw that my brother and my other sister would think that i might give them the same and my children had often asked me to write it when i had got it written as it made more writing than i was willing to undertake to give each of them one i thought i would have it printed and perhaps i might sell enough to pay the expenses as many of the people now on the stage of life do not know that slavery ever lived in connecticut end of letter and introduction a slave born and sold in connecticut the treatment of slaves was different at the north from the south at the north they were admitted to be a species of the human family i was told when a slave boy that some of the people said that slaves had no souls and that they would never go to heaven let them do ever so well my father was born in the state of new york i think in columbia county he had i think three different masters in that state one by the name of van epps and he was general van rensselaer's slave in the time of the revolution and was a soldier in that war he was then owned by a man whose name was rutzer and then was owned in connecticut and salisbury and then by the minister in north canaan my mother was born in old virginia in loudon county i do not remember the name of the town the minister of north canaan whose name was thompson went to virginia for a wife or she came to him in some way they got together so that they became man and wife he removed her to canaan and she brought her slaves with her and my mother was one of them 
i think there were two of my mother's brothers also the reverend mr thompson as he was then called bought my father and he was married to my mother by him mr thompson ministered to the people of canaan in holy things his slaves worked his farm for a short time things went on very well but soon the north and the south as now fell out the south must rule and after a time the north would not be ruled the minister's wife told my father if she only had him south where she could have at her call a half dozen men she would have him stripped and flogged until he was cut in strings and see if he would do as she bid him she told him you mind boy i will have you there yet and you will get your pay for all that you've done my father was a man of considerable muscular strength and was not easily frightened into obedience i have heard my mother say she has often seen her mother tied up and whipped until the blood ran across the floor in the room where she was tied and whipped well as i said the south and the north could not agree the south seceded and left the north the minister's wife would not live north and she and her husband picked up and went south and left my father and mother in canaan to work the farm and they lived on the farm until i was eight years old my mother had one child when she came from the south i was the first she had after she was married they had five children born in canaan three died in infancy i was born march third seventeen ninety mr thompson used to come up from virginia and talk about our going south he would pat me on the head and tell me what a fine boy i was once when he was in canaan he asked me if i would not like to go with him and drive the carriage for my mistress he said if i would go he would give me twenty-five cents or as it was then called twenty-five coppers i told him i wanted the money first he gave me a quarter and then i would not agree to go and he put me in the oven that i did not like and when i got out i would not give him the money but his business i did not yet know he had come to sell his farm and to take us all south my father said he would not go alive the minister told him he must go my father said he never would well the man that had formerly ministered to the people in holy things sold the farm and stock and tools and effects with a few exceptions he kept a pair of horses and harness a wagon a bed and a few such articles the harness and wagon he kept to take us to the south with after he sold his place he took us all to a wealthy friend of his until he had settled up all his affairs so as to show to the world that he was an honest and upright man he would have them think that he feared god and let alone evil for he was born or raised in the state of new york and had taught the people of new canaan the way to do as you will see for in former days he spoke to the people from the pulpit morally and they thought much of the man he had taught them slavery was right and that the great almighty god had sanctioned the institution and he would practice it he now made his arrangements to set out on his journey the day was fixed to leave his much-loved people and home for his southern home where he had obtained a new home and friends and acquaintances 
my father although a slave without education was intensely watching the movements of the teacher of the people but kept all that he saw to himself yet he was steadily planning his escape the set day had now within about thirty-six hours come all went on well with the man from the south he had had no thought but all was well those fine chattels were his and would fetch him in a southern market at a moderate estimate two thousand dollars they would furnish him pocket change for some time and also his loving wife could have a chance to wreak her vengeance on my father for what she called disobedience it was a matter of doubt with my father what course to take how he could get away with his family the best and safest whether to go to massachusetts which joined canaan on the north or to norfolk which joined canaan on the east very fortunately for us there was at that time an unpleasant feeling existing between the two towns or the inhabitants of canaan and norfolk he said that the people of canaan would side with their former pastor and he found that the people of norfolk would take sides against canaan and their pastor then he thought the best that he could do would be to take his family to norfolk where they would be the safest he concluded to take them to norfolk but how was he to get them there with what he wanted to take with them he came to the conclusion that the horses he had for a long time driven might as well help him now in this hour of distress as not he got a colored man to help him that was stout and healthy they hitched up the parson's team put on board what few things he had and his family in the still of a dark night for it was very dark and started for norfolk and on the way we run afoul of a man's woodpile for it was so dark that he could not see the road but we got off from the woodpile without harm and arrived in norfolk about one o'clock i think we stopped at a tavern kept by mr g pettibone and in him we found a friend we unloaded what we had and father and the man that was with him took the team back to canaan so that the parson might set out on his journey and not have to wait for his team and father returned to where he had left his family he felt that he had done all for the parson that he well could for he had taken away his family off from his hands so that the parson would be relieved from the care that must necessarily occur in such a long journey with a family on his hands to see to and my father thought that the parson's old jewel would be relieved from some of her pardoned habits and from a promise she had so often made to him when she got him south well how the parson felt when he had got himself out of bed and found that he was left to pursue his journey alone the reader can tell as well as i for he was a big and bristle man but i will leave him for a while and see what is to be done with us it was soon known in the morning that we were in norfolk the first inquiry was where will they be safe the place was soon found there was a man by the name of phelps that had a house that was not occupied it was out of the way and out of sight after breakfast we went to the house it was well located it needed some cleaning and that my mother could do as well as the next woman we all went to work and got it cleaned and the next day went into it and stopped some time father did what work he could get out of the way where he would not be seen and it was necessary for him to keep out of sight 
for norfolk was the thoroughfare to hartford days and weeks passed on and we began to feel quite happy hoping that the parson had gone south as we heard nothing from him at length we heard that he said he would have the two boys at all hazards it was thought best that the boys should be away so one dark night we heard that the parson was coming out with his men to find the boys for have them he would a man that lived near to us said he would take the boys where they would be safe his name was katy it was agreed on and he went with us over a mountain over rocks and logs it was very rough and steep and the night was so dark that we could only see when it lightened at last we got through the woods on the top of what is called burr mountain we could look down on low grounds and see logs that were laid for the road across the meadow at every flash they could be seen but when it did not lighten we could not see anything we kept on our pilot knew the way at last we arrived at the place the name of the family was tibbles the family consisted of an old man a middle-aged man and his wife and four children and a very pleasant family it was we had not been there long before it was thought best that my brother should be still more out of the way as he was about six years older than i which made him an object of greater search and they were at a loss where to send him as he was then about fourteen years of age there was a young man by the name of butler from massachusetts he was in norfolk at the time studying law he said he would take him home with him and he did so as i supposed and i saw him no more for more than two years i stopped with the family a few days and then went home or what i called home it was where my parents and sister were i found them very lonely i had not been home many days before our quiet was disturbed for the parson had his hunters out to find our whereabouts he somehow found where we were my sister and myself were at play out at the door we saw two men in the woods a little from the house coming very fast and they came into the house my father was not far from the house mother was in the house the men were captain phelps the man who owned the house and mr butler the law student they told us that we must now say whether we would go with the parson or not and we must decide quick for the parson was coming and he would soon be on the spot and there was no time to lose mother had said she was not unwilling to go herself if it was not for father and the children and the parson had made her such promises that she was somewhat inclined to go the parson talked so fair to her he beguiled her i suppose somewhat as our first mother was beguiled in the garden the beguilers were both i do not say preachers but they were both deceivers and he talked so smooth to mother that he beguiled her he told her if she would go to canaan and see to his things and pack them up for him then if she did not want to go she need not mother talked with father he did not incline to go but finally he consented the parson ordered a wagon and it was soon on the spot but where was joseph he was not here i want him to go with us that we may be all together said the parson father saw what the parson's plan was he told him the boy was on the way he could get him when we got to canaan 
i should have said that those two men that came to tell us that the parson was coming hid in the barn before the parson arrived and were not seen by him they had a few words with my father while the parson went for his team we set off for canaan and in the land of canaan we arrived that day where is joseph father said he would go for him the next day in the morning or in the day father went as the parson supposed for joseph the parson was loading mother was packing all was now going on well night came and when all was still for father had told someone it would be late before he got back he came and took the parson's horses and took mother and the two children on horseback and instead of going south went to norfolk and got there about two o'clock in the morning we stopped at a tavern kept by captain lawrence the horses were sent back for the parson for he said he should start the next day but it seemed that he did not start for old virginia for we often heard of him after that day we stopped with captain lawrence a few days it was thought best by our friends that we should not all be together for it was found that the parson was still in the land and on the lookout for us i was sent to a woman in the neighbourhood by the name of darby a poor woman i stopped with her a few days with instructions to keep still the old lady had but one room in her house you may wonder why i was sent to such a place most likely it was thought she had so little room that she would not be suspected of harbouring a fugitive a man by the name of walter lived near by he was in the habit of coming in to see how his boy did as he called me he told me when any one came there i must get under the bed i used to sit in the corner of the room so that i should not be seen from the window i stayed there a number of days i do not now remember how many one day i ventured to take a peep through the keyhole the door was locked some one came to the door i made a bound and then a roll and i was out of sight the door was opened and it was my friend mr walter he was quite amused to hear the performance he said he would take me with him the next day he was going to work in a back lot where it would be out of sight so the next day i went with him it was quite a treat at noon we ate our dinner in the field that was new to me after dinner mr walter lay down on the ground he told me he should go to sleep and i must keep a lookout to see if any one came in sight if i saw any one i must wake him i kept watch but there was none came to disturb him in his repose the day passed away and we returned home at night all well as i supposed but it seemed that the parson had his pickets out and had got an idea that i was somewhere in the street that night i had to leave my place at mrs darby's and went about a mile to a man's house by the name of upson he lived on a back street i thought him to be a friend i do not know but he was but as i find that men now act in relation to slavery i am inclined to think otherwise the next morning the man went to his work he was painting for the minister in norfolk mrs upson sent me to the brook a little way from the house to fetch a pail of water i did not like going into the street very much but being taught by my parents to obey i went without any words as i got to the brook a man rode into the brook with a cocked hat on i did not much like his looks 
i did not know who he was said he my boy where is your father and mother i said i don't know sir where is your brother i don't know sir where do you live i don't know sir whom do you stay with i don't know sir i did not then know the name of the man he rode off or rather i left him asking questions he looked after me till i got to the house and rode up i asked mrs upson who it was that came to the brook when i was there she said it was mr robbins the minister i thought nothing of it for i thought all the people in norfolk were our friends in a few hours the woman sent me to the neighbours to get some water from the well it was a widow woman where i went to get the water and there i found my father he said that captain lawrence had been there and told him that mr robbins had sent his son to canaan to tell parson thompson that he had seen one of his boys and we must go in the woods for he thought the parson would come out to look for me father took the water and went with it to the house that i brought the pail from the family where i went for the water i shall always remember with the kindest feelings we have ever from that day to the present been on the best terms and i believe three of them are living now two of them live in that same house that they then lived in and the transactions of this narrative took place sixty-five years ago their name is curtis end of part one